Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people. And you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Philip Slavin of the 1012 podcast here. Have you been listening to this show for a while and thought, you know, if that guy can do this, then so can I. Well, you're, you're probably right. And it's worth giving a shot. The one question you're going to ask yourself is, how do I get my podcast out for everyone to listen to on iTunes, on Spotify? Well, you're going to need a hosting site. And if I may make a suggestion, go with Anchor. It's easy and it's free, which is great for podcast hobbyists uh, who aren't exactly expecting this to make a lot of income, especially starting out. Anchor is fantastic. Anchor by Spotify is the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need in one place. It has the tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your show on listening platforms like we mentioned Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And again, it is totally free. It's fantastic. It is what we use. And if it's what we use, it's what we're going to suggest to others. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, that is the Anchor app or anchor.fm to get started with your podcast. Welcome to the 1012, the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference and soon to be 12 once our brand new friends officially join the family. I'm your host, Philip Slavin. Thank you for joining us on this Thursday. Uh, we've got a really good show set up for you today. Our good friend Parker Fleming, a.k.a. Stats of War, is going to join us just in a few minutes to, to recap our position group rankings from this past summer. Uh, I think it's important to take a look at the things that we thought that we knew and figure out if we were right or wrong once we actually have the data to back up whether we were uh, one way or the other. Uh, before we get to that, speaking of looking back at the things that we have done, uh, I've got my my usual Thursday cohorts here with me one last time before uh, we say goodbye until the upcoming football season. And look, they're going to pop in throughout this off football off season as they usually do. That is, of course, our good friends Chris Ross and Daniel Alexander, uh, my co-pickers every Thursday during football season. Boys, uh, how were your holidays? I, mine were great. 
you know, it's a, one of my favorite times of the year and you have bowl games, you have food, family, gifts, all, all good. Do you like to give gifts or receive? Like, which one do you like more? Uh, I mean, okay. Honestly, I really enjoy giving. Um, and, and I, I loved it a lot as a kid. And then, you know, now that I have kids, it's really fun to like see them open stuff. Like I get really excited. There's always like a present that I end up like that I pick out. You know, look, my wife, it is the cliche. My wife does most of the holiday work. I'll admit it. Uh, but there's always like one thing I'm like, no, no, I got to get the girls this. And then seeing them open it, it's really, it's really a fun experience. Yeah. I think part of it for me is the older I get, if I really wanted something, I probably already bought it. Sure. I don't really want, like I'm fortunate enough, blessed enough that like I don't want a lot of things, but I do like to give. I like to see you know other people get what they want and all that kind of all that kind of stuff. And kids, it's all fun. I had a uh, I had a great holiday. I went up to the ladies' place uh, up in up in Portland, spent with her family for Christmas Eve, and then actually Christmas Day flew home back to the Bay to meet up with uh, my brother and folks, and just a great holiday. It's better to give presents. I mean, what what adult would really be like? Just give me the presents. Yeah. So, I mean, it's fun yeah, to it's fun. To I mean, like, don't get me wrong. I got some like, cool stuff, and I'm very oh, appreciative of it. Sure, you know, like, sure. All that, but like, I'm super appreciative. I got like a tool chest, and you know, like a, mobile, a stabilizer for you know film recording and stuff like that. All that's great. Like, I love it. But I don't know. It's just more fun to give. I think um, my, so, my biggest thing is I've got go older is. Like I like to get things, but like I, the best gifts that I want are like an experience. Like I, my, my big Christmas gift this year was really like everybody in the family pitched in so that Tilly and I, my wife could go to, go to the Bedlam game in Stillwater and go watch that and have basically have the hotel and food and tickets and everything paid for. Um, so like that was my Christmas gift this year. And that's, that's that's what I like doing. Like I enjoy getting experiences or tickets to things or things paid for for me to go and do for like birthday and Christmas. Cause I would rather go and have those memories and things. And like, I like things. I got things. Um, and I, I don't mean like, I don't, everybody got good stuff for me, but like, that's what I really want. Like that or a Lego set. <laughs> Cause I'm a grown child. <laughs> or a Lego set. Yeah. You know what? You know what I love to give stuff from home field apparel. That was nice. That was a nice segue. You know what? I'm going to use that. Chris does like to give things from Home Field Apparel. We love to give things from Home Field Apparel. We are excited to get things from Home Field Apparel because Big News Saturday Season 3 starts at the end of this month. Before then, they're going to put... They got Montana and Montana State coming out, I think, this weekend in honor of... I believe it's Montana. One of the two is in the FCS Championship game. I'm sorry I don't pay close enough attention to remember which one it is. It doesn't matter. It's one of them. Uh, but Big New Saturday Season 3 starts on January 22nd. Launch at noon. They're going to let us know who that first team is soon. Uh, and so you can subscribe to that and get every shirt at $20 a piece. You can basically get all eight for the Big New Saturday Season 3. If you just want to get them all, you don't care what they are, you just want them, sign up for that. That is a fantastic deal. If that's not what you want to do, you just want to wait and see what comes out and pick a couple shirts for yourself. Use our promo code NETWORK12, N-E-T-W-O-R-K-1-2 for 15% off your first purchase. Uh, look, guys, it's the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel you will find anywhere. It is the brand, as they are known on Twitter, at Home Field Apparel. Uh, go check them out. You guys know them. We love that they are a sponsor for us. Uh, we love everything they do. Uh, they just announced they're actually going to do a 10-week college basketball newsletter starting in a week it's going to cover men's and women's basketball they've got a bunch of great writers lined up uh connect you to, to histories traditions and players you didn't know that you loved 
Um, I would go to their Twitter account. It's called Cherry Pickin. Sign up for this newsletter. I signed up as soon as I saw the Twitter account. Um, I'm very excited for it as I am excited for everything that Homefield does. I love that they're doing this. I think it's awesome. These are people who love sports just like you and myself and everybody who listens to this show does. So go support Homefield Apparel partially for us, partially for them. Uh, and don't forget that promo code NETWORK12, N-E-T-W-O-R-K-1-2 for 15% off your first purchase. That was nice, Chris. That was uh, that was good. Bravo. Put you on the spot there. Hey, I'm ready to go. I'm always rearing and ready to go when it comes to home field. I can I can throw it out, whatever. Uh, okay, we got to talk about our last picks of the season. We picked the bowl games, all seven Big Twelve games, and then one of our choosing. Uh, look, Daniel, Chris, you guys won the week. You both went five and three during bowl games. Congratulations! Very successful weeks for you guys, uh, Daniel. Uh, five and three, as I mentioned, hit on the Oklahoma minus four and a half. We all hit on that one. Hit on Kansas State minus two and a half. Obviously, by the time that game came around, we all that was the right pick to be on, as we all knew exactly uh, what was going on at LSU. Hit on Texas Tech plus 10. Good job there. Hit on the under 55 in Baylor Ole Miss. Uh, Baylor won that one. Hit on your non-Big 12 pick, Miami of Ohio, minus two and a half in the MAC championship game. Missed on West Virginia plus five. Missed on Iowa State plus one. We all missed that one. And missed on the under 45 and a half in Oklahoma State and Notre Dame. It brings your grand total to 52 and 56 on in on the season. Hey, you won last year, uh, and I do very much look forward to uh, whatever uh, local California-style beer you decide to uh, to box up and send me, sir. Uh, you know, uh, what's nice is uh, my girlfriend really knows stuff well. Even studied a little bit. I think it's called a Saison. That's like a fancy beer person. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're going to dig deep. We're going to send you some good stuff. Congratulations. Uh, I think I came in last officially this year, yes. right? Is that yes. Chris Chris beat me by two. Um, so I'm going to give you an official, formal congratulations. You had a great season. Um, I do want to say how just how good I felt fading Mike Leach in a bowl <laughs> game. Uh, I, I knew. It's like... there's some games where you just know what's going to happen beforehand. And that was one of them. I mean, that was so disappointing. He's the worst bowl coach. Oh, I believe, you know, he's the worst bowl prep coach. And I, I'd be so curious and not like in a jerk way, but I'd be so curious to ask maybe some past players of his or past staff members. Like what is, what are the few weeks leading up to a bowl game? Like, like, you know what I mean? Like what's, do you guys practice at all? So, do you do you care? Like maybe they just don't, and that's fair. Maybe Mike Leach says, "Hey, this is right. It's a waste." Some of Nintendo my time. Switch, a little PlayStation. Sure, I mean, sure. I love it. They're, they're, they're not studying the other team, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. So, um, uh, go ahead and do Chris's breakdown first, but then I, I went back and sort of looked over the season, as you guys know, and I kind of I figured out where chris and i lost it and philip i figured out where you grabbed the thing so go ahead yeah there was a stretch i went one in 12 that's where i lost no you went two and 11 it was two and 11 i I went through and looked at some stuff today too uh yes you also went five and three chris hit on ou minus four and a half like we all did uh hit on the over 47 in kansas state lsu sir you hit a total and you won with it i have i have i've never been so proud of you in my life uh hit on minnesota minus four hit on baylor as the pick they won that one pretty easily hit on oklahoma state uh, plus two missed on iowa state plus one we all missed it missed on mississippi state minus nine and missed on cincinnati plus 13 and a half that one was looking pretty good until eventually alabama cincinnati just couldn't score 
uh, to keep that one close. And Alabama kind of put it away in the fourth quarter. Uh, one of those games where the, I mean, the final score was kind of indicative of the game, but Cincinnati stayed in it for as long as they could. Yeah, I, maybe the moment was a little too big, Alabama a little too good. Um, I mean, the SEC really is just Alabama and Georgia. But, yeah, it was a little don't, disappointing. Don't tell Texas A&M that because, you know, they got that recruiting class coming in. Always, every year. <laughs> uh, yeah, but, no, Cincinnati, they, you know, it is what it is. It was a good run. It was a good season. Mm-hmm. I'm going to love having them in the Big 12. I look forward to to that but yeah it, it is what it is i i wish they could have done something but i don't regret it like picking them because you know whatever it was that's who I, I wanted to write with someone coming into the big 12 i'm actually wait the most i'm disappointed is in mike leach like this is you finally got a shot after all these years you got a shot at texas tech and that's what you did with it texas tech looked like they were the ones that were out for blood that was they terrible. Were. They, they were they absolutely. No, I mean, were. yeah, that, that that was that was just whatever. I mean, I'm pretty sure Leach owed Sonny Cumbie money at this point. So your five and three week brings you to 54, 53, and one. So you congratulations, you finished above 500 this season and in in second place. Uh, this is our third year doing this, Chris. You're going to win this at some point. Like a lot yeah, of yeah. averages says eventually you you will win. You will win. Uh, I sucked during football week. Uh, I went three and five hit on Oklahoma minus four and a half hit on Oklahoma state plus two uh, and hit on Houston plus two and a half. Uh, obviously my original pick uh, the Washington state Miami game got blown up when Miami was not going to participate. So as we I put on Twitter and, and set out, uh, I grabbed the, the Houston uh, plus two and a half against Auburn and they pulled off that win. Congrats to the uh, Houston Cougs missed on LSU plus three and a half. I, I knew that was wrong for the last like two weeks once we knew everything that was going on with LSU, but I, you know, put that out there a little while ago, uh, missed on the over 44 and a half in West Virginia. Minnesota. <laughs> I went back and listened to this podcast. I was like, what, what am I doing? Uh, missed on Iowa State. Plus I, I one. should have gone back. I should have gone back and listened because you sent out the result, the results. And I looked at it and I was like, I took it over. You did. You did. Uh, I don't remember that at all. You did. You blanked as I did. I missed on Mississippi State uh, minus nine and missed on the over 54 and a half in the Baylor Ole Miss. That one That one did not look good early. And then Matt Crow went out and was like, well, there's no way this over is hitting. It's just not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Uh, but the three and five, that's okay. Brings my total to 56 and 52. Uh, so I am this year's champ. I don't have any confetti or fun sound effects. And I don't want to sit here and brag too harsh. Uh Chris, I do love some good Oklahoma breweries, so I look forward to to what you will send if you will send. You actually it. get two. Dan only gets one. Yeah, I figured out a way to ship it now, so I'm gonna. It's called a box. Uh, yes, tape. I have a some. <laughs> I, no, I, I, I was always real sketchy about shipping that, but um, yeah, we're good to go. I'm gonna make amends for that. Uh, I got I got that figured out already. Okay. I, I was what I was gonna say is. Daniel can probably speak to this a little bit more, but I'm pretty impressed that we're even close to 500, let alone, you know, you and I are over 500. Daniel's right there. I mean, for us, the, all three of us to be right there when you don't get a choice in the games you're picking, that's pretty impressive. Hey, it's, you know, you two especially, you're really plugged into the Big 12, and, you know, I'm just plugged in to the betting market. But, uh, no, I, I, if I were you two, pat yourselves on the back. I mean, that's a, that's a great season – to have to go and, and 
pick games like that every single week and games where you're forced to pick and, you know, to, to end up how you guys did, you know, there's, there's a touch of sharpness going on. You know, I don't want to shine you two up too much, you know, <laughs> but that's no, true. I mean, it's hard, you know, people have terrible seasons picking games. And if you just ask Joe public to go and he has to go pick games every week, it can turn into a disaster. And uh, that did not happen for either one of you. I know, Chris, you know, you had your, a bad stretch, but that's just going to happen mm-hmm. to everybody. That's just literally doesn't matter what level of better you are. You're going to have sequences like that when you're picking, you know, a hundred games or 150 games or whatever. So, you know, nice job, both of you. And, and look, Philip next year, it's like, Chris, really the season got away from him on the two and 11 run. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I had one, I think I had one bad week of like a one and six or something like that. Um, and it was sometime, it was pretty early. It was like week. You had a one, and, you had a one and four. Um, early on. You had a few, you had a one and four and a two and five, which kind of put you back. Yeah. Early. So those two put back. And then, and then look too, this is my own gameplay and game theory. I tried to get a little too cute with some of our money lines uh, because and betters can appreciate this. The risk reward wasn't there. You know, I was taking big risks just for fun, just to sort of call the shot on some big dogs. And, you know, there's no extra reward if the dog's plus two or he's plus 20. So, um, you know, game, yeah, I think- game theory, I messed it up on the risk reward. And so I lost, you look at the final standings and a game or two really matters. Yeah, so. that's, I, I think it would be fun to kind of branch off. I don't know if we're going to do this, but it'd be fun to branch off that underdog pick and kind of do like a running cum, uh, cumulative score mm-hmm. where like if they're a three-point underdog, then you get that three points if they hit it. But if they're like a 14-point a underdog and they pull off the win, then you get 14 points. And that could really, you know, <laughs> that, swing how that goes. That'll totally change this. I mean, that'll – and Phil will just be pulling his hair out. Trying I, yeah, to, I don't, I don't do math. Well, the problem is that you, there has to be – if you missed that, then you've got a – you're negative 14 because there has to be like a, a penalty for oh. – being that broad uh we'll we'll reevaluate next year yeah really i mean the big thing was i had the nine in one week in week three which put me way ahead that was impressive and and i pretty much rode i rode that and a lot of a lot of like one game over or right at 500 weeks throughout the end of the season that just kind of kept me around that six to seven games over 500 for for the season uh chris you did have the bad two and 11 but you had a one and six or six and one week uh, down there in like week, uh, I think it was 11. It was really good. You had a four and three before that. So like I, there was some good weeks. Um, mm-hmm. It wasn't a complete miss. Honestly, we all did better than our guest pickers. They finished at what, 12 and 14 on the season. So I guess I don't need to bring no, guests well. on anymore. They're not oh good. man, let's, let's go egg. Let's go egg their house just for. <laughs> so to, to Rob, uh, Nate, Chase, who no one got to hear Chase because that episode got lost. And, uh, and Kelly, you guys are, no, you're not banned. I'll bring y'all back on. Uh, guys, this was fun. Uh, in all in all honesty, I love doing this. I look forward to football season coming around in large part, you know, because we get to do this. I mean, love. I love I love college football season, obviously. But I like when the three of us get together and get to do this each week. It's a lot of fun, and uh, and I and I do miss it as as we go into the off season. I'm already looking forward to to week uh, week zero or week before when we all get back together and start uh, start getting ready. Yeah, I. Too, it's all fun. I I was gonna ask everybody which team were you most impressed with in the bowl season, Big Twelve. Gosh, in a little funny twist of irony, 
Texas Tech 1A, Oklahoma State 1B. So Texas Tech, the team I, I faded and put money up against, I loved what they did. I mean, they're they nine point dogs. I, I love, and they just came out yeah. and blew the doors off an SEC team. Loved it. A team that should have wanted to win that game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. No, that, that was, that was impressive. The Oklahoma State win was impressive. Wasn't as close as the score, you know, made out to be. I thought Kansas State was impressive. Yeah. I understand LSU had their issues, but I mean, we talked about it. Kansas State does not win their bowl games very often. That is, uh, I, I, I apologize to whoever tweeted it out originally. I didn't see. I, I cannot give them credit, and I'm sorry. Uh, that is Kansas State's first bowl win that was not under Bill Snyder. Yeah, oh, yeah I saw that. that's I impressive. Saw, maybe I saw it from you, but yeah, I saw <laughs> that. Uh, look, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna give K State a lot of credit. I mean, I'm happy they won. That's great. That's great for the Big Twelve. It's like, you know, it, 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 it's it's like one of us dunking on a seven foot hoop. You know, it's like, come on, they, LSU had. They're still well, SEC players. That wasn't the quarterback, just a wide receiver. Yeah. They had to stay quarterback. Yeah. I mean, but but Kansas, Kansas State is familiar with that. They've played with a wide receiver at quarterback. LSU was a one-legged man in an ass-kicking contest. Props to, props to Kansas SEC State. Team. Props to Kansas State. Props to Kansas State. If you uh, want to be an SEC team, then claim it. Otherwise, hey, oh, I agree. I, like no, I, I, I agree there, too. Hey, I, I'm with you on that as well. Give LSU credit for playing. A&M bailed when they had more players available than LSU did when LSU played the game. Yeah. So, that. like – and and Washington State base or uh, UCLA basically screwing over NC State by waiting till the the midnight hour to be like whoop whoop oops sorry we're not gonna play like props to LSU for playing that game I'm glad that they did I'm glad Kansas State was able to get that win I agree Texas Tech being a nine or ten point dog depending upon the site and then going out and just blowing the doors on Mississippi State was huge I think OSU having their biggest comeback in in school history against Notre a school like Notre Dame in the Fiesta Bowl I think was impressive mm-hmm. uh, like I know Matt Corral got knocked out but. Baylor still yep. beat Ole Miss. Like, mm-hmm. it did feel like Baylor was probably going to win that one once Corral went out. But still, Baylor went out and and they they held Ole Miss to seven points. Like, that is that is an impressive showing. Um, I'm not going to not give OU credit, but at the same time, like going into that one, it felt we all felt pretty comfortable in saying like OU should be in a, is in a far better situation here. Yeah, they destroyed them, but you know. Yeah, that that yeah. like once there was the big line move, once it jumped out from like four to seven, and you had basically found that most Oregon players that were going to make an impact were bailing on the game, dealing with COVID, entire staff, every single guy from head coach to the water boy had left town. So it was like, okay, you know, who's <laughs> yeah? I mean, Oklahoma did a great job, but you know, I I guess I'm just echoing your sentiment. You know, let me also uh, give credit to from- real quick. Uh, I don't care if, if they're going to play the SEC, we didn't care card because that's the SEC. SEC, it, it just means more until bowl season and we don't care. Uh, UCF getting the opportunity to play Florida and flat out beating them. Not in some fluky, weird, close. UCF, Central Florida, finally getting a shot yeah. at the Gators and taking that shot and taking it to Florida and winning comfortably. Props to UCF. I... You, th- you thought they were going to win it because Florida, you know, has been in utter disarray and whatever. I don't care. Like, props to UCF. They wanted it, and they got it. Yeah, what was the Big 12 new and old record against SEC? Was it just the Cincinnati loss? Uh, no, <laughs> BYU went and uh, shat oh, the bed against right. UAB. Yeah. It was yeah. – uh, 
what is it? Five and two for current Big Twelve. Uh, six and four for the new look Big Twelve. But against the SEC, five and zero. Oh. Well, yeah, for five. current Big Twelve, five and zero. Oh. Uh, and then one yeah, and no one, total. so six five, and one. No, five. six and one total. Yeah. That's I guess great. UCF. No, Florida. there's no loss. There was no loss. Uh, I guess uh, Cincinnati lost to 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 Alabama. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. then and then Houston beat you uh, Auburn. So it's a good bowl season. Oh, so seven. Mm, I don't know. Don't make me do math, man. It's, oh yeah, UCF. <laughs> the wins were over Mississippi State. All right, here I'm just gonna go through it. One and zero, oh, two and zero. Oh. Three and zero, oh, three and one, four and one, five and one, five and one. Yeah, but I think it'd be right. Yep, yeah, it's because Notre Dame does isn't. Yeah, so it's yeah, yeah, yeah. Six yeah, wins yeah. over P five competition. Yep, pretty good. Great season, absolutely. Great season, boys. Philip, congratulations. Thank you. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. I know we're going to let you guys get out of here. Uh, we're going to get to our, our fantastic interview with Parker. Uh, I really do look forward to the beer, and I don't mean that to be braggy. I just mean like I love beer, and I'm really excited to see what shows up for me in the mail. So uh, we will text. I will get you both on throughout the offseason. Do not worry. Uh, Daniel will be back on soon because we got some hoops betting to talk about. Chris will be back on when I feel like getting argumentative with somebody. Uh, <laughs> boys, my favorite part. Absolutely. Absolutely. Basketball season is finally here, Big 12 fans. And for your home for men's and women's basketball, come to Midwest Madness. We are doing game coverages, going over game analysis, different rankings of teams, and consistently looking at the best matchups in the conference. You're not going to want to miss out on all the amazing basketball coverage we have. So go check out Midwest Madness. Available wherever you listen to podcasts. Real quick before we get to Parker, a few just house cleaning things we need to talk about. As I'm recording this uh, big night on the women's side, Texas Tech props to the Red Raiders. I'm not calling them the Lady Raiders. I don't care. Uh, 74-61 win on the road at number nine. Texas handing the the Longhorns just their second loss of the season. Uh, according to our good friends, Tortillas and Takes, this is Texas Tech's uh, first win in Austin since 2013. This is a really good Longhorn team. It's one we talked about uh, on Monday's episode as potentially winning this conference. So it's a huge win for the Red Raiders. It wasn't fluky. They led for pretty much the whole game. Props to them. Uh, Iowa State, number 12, going on the road to number 23, Oklahoma, getting a win over a top 25 team. Um, if you didn't listen to the radio call from that, I've seen a lot of people on Twitter uh, shouting out Jamie for the job that she did. She is fantastic. Um, I would suggest you do for Iowa State women's basketball what I sometimes do for Oklahoma State football, which is turn on the game, turn off the audio, and put on the radio broadcast because, folks, if you're an Iowa State women's basketball fan, that's the way to do it. You're not going to get better than than Jamie and Noah on the call on the radio. So huge games there. Kansas State getting a win on the road at Oklahoma State. And then two games postponed because of COVID, and that's what we're dealing with right now, which is driving me crazy. Um, TCU at Baylor, West Virginia at Kansas. The, right now, the Texas Tech men are on the road playing at Iowa State, very shorthanded. Man, it's, it's kind of derailing a, an interesting basketball season because uh, it's back. It hasn't gone away. It's messing with the sport. Uh, I'm... Uh, it's putting a damper on the sport for me. It's really kind of, and yes, my my cowboys and cowgirls are down this year. But like, really, what's 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 dampening the season for me is these COVID delays and teams shorthanded and games getting postponed. And really thought we'd be past it for this season, but we're not. And I'm, I would love to be. I would really love to be. I really would. Um, 
Everybody stay safe. Uh, take care of yourselves. Be careful, as always. A uh, few things around football, obviously. Caleb Williams announced he has entered the transfer portal. Probably not going to go back to OU. Look, I'm not saying that he won't. He could. Uh, I know that they got uh, Dylan Gabriel, who changed his mind. and is not transferring to UCLA. He's transferring to Oklahoma. Look, if Caleb Williams wants to stay at Oklahoma, Dylan Gabriel is not going to scare him off. But Oklahoma is set despite just a wave of transfers and guys entering the NFL. Really interested to see what happens in Oklahoma next season. We will break down transfers and transfer portals in the Big 12. Um, some great off-season content. I don't want to sit here and go over it. I would say go to 247's transfer portal and just take a look at what's going on at West Virginia. Ooh, man. Um, that's one we're going to really have to dive into. I am, I'm really interested in what's going on at West Virginia, if it's a, a positive or a negative, because you can never tell. You know, We talked about Iowa State and their mass exodus and whether or not it was a problem for the program or more of a, an on-purpose kind of thing. So uh, we will dive deep into the transfer portal stuff sometime very soon. I got a lot of good stuff uh, prepped for the for the off season of football. Plenty of basketball content coming up. Do us a favor, follow us on Twitter at 1012network, T-E-N, the number 12, the word network. Uh, please do so. Make sure you are following every single show. Subscribe to every show in the network. You can find them all at 1012network.com. And do me a favor. Um, we are going to post our Big 12 Bowl team Um on our Instagram account. I'm not going to post it to Twitter. I'm just going to post it to Instagram. I got it prepped to go. It's going to go up on Thursday. You can follow us on Instagram at 1012pod, P-O-D, T-E-N-1-2-P-O-D. We'll have that there. Uh, last thing before we get to our good friend Parker, this is a great conversation about the Big 12 and kind of how to view things and how it's hard to rank position groups Comparatively speaking, like maybe it was good, but they looked a whole lot worse than they actually were because the rest of the defense suffered. Texas Tech. Uh, stick around for that. But before we go and jump to that, Symbol, Stock Market for Sports, uh, longtime sponsor here this whole season. Very excited to have them as a sponsor here on the 10 Tour Network. Looking at my portfolio right now and very excited about it. I am going to have to sell a share. No, no I'm going to buy. I'm going to buy, buy, buy. I'm in buy mode. I cannot wait to see which ones drop. I want to know. Which Big 12 teams are going to drop? Who can I get on the cheap that people are down on? I cannot wait to find out. Symbol, of course, the stock market for sports, where you can buy and share teams like stocks. And when your teams win, you collect cash payouts. It's very exciting. I got a payout right now, thanks to Kansas State, that I cannot put to put in and use in, uh, in my efforts to buy my next share. I know the college football season is basically over. NFL is still going on. NBA is going on. NHL is going on. They've got those. They're going to add college basketball this year. But for now, maybe you want to go buy a team. If you saw a team you really like and you want to buy a share of them before the next college football season, you want to get in on them early, now's a great time to do so. So go to Symbol.com, S-I-M-B-U-L-L. When you make your first deposit, use the promo code NETWORK12, N-E-T-W-O-R-K-1-2, for your money-back guarantee. What that means is that if you lose money or you just don't like it and you decide this is not for me, you can get a full refund, no questions asked, within the first 90 days on your initial deposit up to $500, okay? So deposit up to $500 within 90 days, lose money or don't like it, get it all back, no questions asked. So go to symbol.com, give it a shot, use the promo code NETWORK12 for your initial deposit, and start making some money off of your favorite teams. I love it. It's been great. They've been a great sponsor. I look forward to next college football season. I look forward to when college basketball is there. I look forward to when Premier League is on there because it's coming too, and I'm super pumped about that. So, Sybil.com, thanks for them for being a sponsor of this college football season. Uh, Parker, let's get to it.
Hey there, 1012 Network listeners. This is Dustin from the Scott Nolman Podcast, the original Houston Cougar athletics podcast, and the latest member of the 1012 Network. Uh, my co-host, Sam, do you want to tell the fine folks what the Scott Nolman Podcast is all about? I sure do. We come on here at least once a week and we talk all things going on in the world of Houston Cougar sports. Plus, we usually find time for some of what's going on in our future conference, our current conference, and really the college sports world at large. We're not just a football, men's basketball podcast. We really pride ourselves here on the fact that every single team that wears the Scarlet and Albino in Houston and their jerseys gets time on our show. Plus, from time to time, we bring on some guests ranging from opposing team experts to even former Olympic great Carl Lewis. So be sure to search the Scott and Holman podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And remember, we spell podcast P-A-W-D cast because we are oh so funny like that. So I think it's really important that you should review your work. Um, it's not something we always do a great job of here, but it's something I want to do a better job of. And I think it's something in sports where people always have opinions and thoughts and rankings and stuff, but they don't always go back and readdress what they perceived at one point um, once we have the information to decide whether that prediction was accurate or not. Uh, so, of course, this past summer, uh, one of the things we did was we did our position group ranking podcast. We got four of them. We were going to do a couple more. And then, you know, the earth blew up for the Big 12 because of Oklahoma and Texas leaving and that threw all everything out the window. Um, but we did get through four different units, uh, defensive line, offensive line, linebacker, and cornerback, and ranked those how we thought they would be, myself, and then two guests each time. And I wanted to bring one of our guests back and somebody whose opinion I think very highly of to kind of go over what some of the thoughts were back in the summer and see where they stand now that the season is complete. So I'm always very excited and happy to have Parker Fleming, aka uh, Stats of War on Twitter, joining us. Parker, welcome back, man. Philip, glad to uh, glad to be here. It's been it's been a minute. I feel like I blinked and the season just kind of happened this year. Yeah, it's man. It's always so like you get to a certain point. In the season. I think because it's the like the shortest season of any sport, like basketball, you're like, oh, it goes on forever. Oh, God, this good hockey, this goes on forever. In football, you get four weeks into it and you're like, we've got so much. No, no, it's it's already a third of the way over and now we're we're sitting here and some fans are, are looking back fondly and some are already itching and scratching and ready for next season just so they can have something positive to, to feel or think about for their team uh, i know that might be you and, and the tcu face right now depending upon how you feel about the sunny dykes hire and, and that staff um but Today, I do want to look back. Uh, like I said, we did our position group rankings. You were a part of that. Uh, you helped us with the offensive line, and you actually helped us with uh, the, the way this kicked off is we ranked the position groups according to how we felt they were, what was most important in the Big 12. Um, you know, and, and not, so, you know, it was quarterback, defensive line, offensive line, corner, linebacker, wide receiver, safety, tight end, and running back, which I know is something straight to your heart of having running back as the least important position group. I'm a kid. Um, but I specifically want to go through our defensive line, offensive line, linebacker, and cornerback rankings that we had and kind of evaluate what we got most wrong or most right uh, compared to the season we actually had. Since you were part of the uh, offensive line rankings with myself and Cam Malore, uh, I wanted to kind of start there. Uh, we thought Oklahoma would have the best offensive line. Uh, and I'm going to use a cumulative because it was, of course, me, Parker, and Cam. Uh, and so I, I took where we each ranked it and then put as a cumulative score across from it. So Oklahoma ended up number one, followed by Texas, Iowa State, Kansas State, TCU, Texas Tech, Oklahoma State, Baylor, West Virginia, and Kansas. Um, looking at this and then comparing what we think of the offensive lines in the Big 12 this year, who do you think actually ended up as the best offensive line in the Big 12? 
overall, that's kind of hard to, um, it's hard to quantify, right? Because like they're a unit mm -hmm. and there's people who moved in and out and, and kind of moved or, uh, moved around. Um, I think it's easier for me to say like who, who the misses were because I don't know that anyone was, maybe I can say this. I, I don't know that anyone was like excellent at offensive line. So in terms of like lining up and blocking talent, I, I don't know that I'm like, man, this unit was absolutely elite. I think you could look at things like, Baylor's lack of penalties and say, hey, again, even if they didn't have talent, they were disciplined and they executed well, um, even if they were limited. I think in terms of um, like pass blocking, you could say somebody like Kansas State. Well, I have, I have a stat I pulled yesterday from that that I don't think actually works out. Um, uh, Oklahoma State, when they were healthy, I think was one of the better uh, – what are the better offensive lines? Their problem was they, they weren't healthy very often. Like, and, and that was very evident when they were missing Godlewski in the, in the big 12 championship game. So um, I, I think um, even like Oklahoma's, you know, rumors of Oklahoma's demise, I think were a little overstated, but overall, I, I don't know that there was a, uh, a great offensive line unit in the conference uh, overall this year. Like I know Baylor wants to say that and Baylor fans say theirs was the best and, and they pretty considered it the best. And, and I get that. I think it was a very successful offensive line. I think best is like the worst word to possibly use here because best is such is one of those words that we like to interpret however we would like based off of who was the most talented or who's going to have the most draft picks or, or who had the most first team big 12 or whatever, whatever. I almost wonder if most successful um, based and, and and most benefited their offense might be the best way to kind of rank how, how the offensive line, because again, anything is, I mean, it's always the most difficult one to rank and look at because it's the one that you don't really have the most obvious stats. You're having to go to like PFF and hope that, that their numbers are, are accurate. And sometimes I look at them and go, <laughs> what? Um, but I, I'm looking at it. I said, Again, Oklahoma, Texas, Iowa State, Kansas State, TCU were the top five, followed by Texas Tech, Oklahoma State, Baylor, which I think was a miss, uh, West Virginia, and Kansas. I mean, who do you think were the biggest misses here for, for us? So I think I think Texas is the initial one that you have to say, like, holy cow, this offensive line was was way worse um, than, than we thought it was going to be. Like, there, I, I even expected a little bit of drop-off, but I thought, like, hey, they're, they're you know, curse headers over on the right, but, like, Christian Jones is not uh, – <laughs> He's not not an FBS player. I mean, they they just they just had some. There, there's a reason they took what 400 offensive line transfers um, this this season or, or excuse me recruits uh, because they, yeah. they're they're going to flip this <laughs> over. They're going to get some transfers in there. They they did not have enough guys that were uh, you know Big 12 P5 high quality linemen there. So that 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 just some of those guys flopped and that and that one was a really big miss. Um, I think it's fair to call Baylor miss. Uh, I had them as ninth. They had some transfers. Their uh, right tackle, uh, Casey Phillip, you know, he ended up not playing. They, they had uh, Xavier um, come in and, and take over for him. So like he was a lot better. That was an upgrade there. They, they played very consistently. Um, and so again, consistency along the offensive line is, is good. And I do think it's important when we're thinking about best to kind of separate, you know, are we looking at football and trying to evaluate and therefore predict the quality of teams or are we fans who are trying to justify why our guys are the best? And you, you can separate those out, I think, pretty easily and say like, yeah, Baylor was not the most talented or the offensive line that I think was going to do the best um, going forward. They were, they were limited in the passing game and, and what they asked them to do was really, really smart. That's one thing that Baylor did really, really well this year, especially with the offensive line is that we know exactly what we have. We know exactly what we want to do. And we know how to ask our guys to do limited things to close that gap. Um, and so I think that's, that, that is an impressive job 
um, with what they're able to do. And so there is a sense where, where Baylor was the best just because they were the most consistent. Um, and so I think, I think Texas at number two and Baylor at number eight are definitely two of the biggest misses um, there. I might even say that, heck, TCU at number five was a pretty big miss. Um, and, and this is a, a, a place where like the PFF grades, for instance, are, can, can lead you astray. So if you go look at pass blocking, right, TCU was third in pass block grades, 79.1, right? What that doesn't reflect is um, one guy, there, there was a lot of like missed pressure. So like TCU's protection calls, guys were blocking people, but they weren't blocking the right people. And so the grading there is like, they may not have gotten credited for pressures that were actually their fault. Um, two, this doesn't reflect things like play action and true pass sets. So Baylor's offensive line graded really, really well. They played consistently, but also they ran more play action than anyone else in the Big 12. That's, that's going to help your pass blocking, right? Because you're having defenders have to think about the run and everything. Or TCU, for instance, TCU was having to keep at least six and often seven, sometimes even eight. There's a hilarious against West Virginia, they tried to throw a fade to Quentin Johnston and they kept nine guys in protection. And so it was like nine guys in the box for TCU's offense, Max Duggan in the backfield. And he just lobbed it up to Quentin Johnston, the 11th guy on the field out there. Um, and so that, you know, that might increase TCU's pass blocking grade in terms of them not allowing pressures or guys being able to pick up blockers. But obviously they would have liked to only have to keep five or six guys in protection and not have to, you know, clog up their offense by having extra guys stay in and not be able to go out for passes and develop their route tree. So stuff like that is really, it's almost intangible in, in offensive lines. Um, but there, there's just so much context here and I'm convinced that nobody's really good at, you know, evaluating them. Um, all that to say, I think those three are my misses. Baylor, we were way too low on Texas, way too high on TCU, honestly, way too high on man, too high at fifth. That's saying something. Um, okay. Let's switch over to D line. Cool. Um, looking at this one, I'm going to list off the order that we had them ranked cumulatively. This one was myself, uh, Adam Lunt and Joe Broback, uh, Oklahoma at one followed by TCU, Oklahoma State, Texas, Iowa State, West Virginia, Baylor, Kansas State, Texas Tech, and Kansas. Shocker. Um, I come away saying, I know Oklahoma's defensive line still probably was the most talented in the Big 12, but they did not play like it consistently. I don't think I would have them won. I know they were only a third, but I still think OSU was probably underrated considering the way that defensive line played in Jim Knowles' system. Uh, they didn't have the talent. I don't know they have a lot of NFL guys on it, but I, I can make a case that OSU had the best defensive line in the Big Twelve, and I'm going to be honest, TCU man. Uh, speaking of misses, that one, that one did not work out um, at all. Yeah, I mean, there, there was some skepticism about. We don't have to do TCU on every single one here, but I'm going to uh, get these <laughs> thoughts out. Um, there was some skepticism that like Kari Coleman's rise last year came against some really bad teams, and it turns out like. Oh yeah. TCU's defensive line generally was like really bad against the, the tough front end of their schedule and then decent and pretty good against like the, the bad part of their schedule. And that was reflected this year. I mean, they just, they were an absolute mess. Um, so that again, another miss. And that's part of the reason that TCU has a change at coach. That's part of the reason TCU is going to look different this year is because both lines underwhelmed. I agree. I think uh, Oklahoma state's ability to, um, Oklahoma State's ability to get at you from all five positions, you know, both like all linemen and an edge guy is, is just um, absolutely insane to me. Uh, all season, they were just, uh, you know, I, I think five guys had 20 plus pressures for Oklahoma State, which is um, just absolutely, absolutely absurd. 
Um, so if I look at the top pressures, I mean, Oklahoma State has Brock Martin was second in total pressures. Colin Oliver was sixth and Devin Harper was seventh. Uh, and Tyler Lacey was ninth. So like four guys in the top 10, that's pretty, that's pretty stout. Like they were really, really good. That being said, if I say that, I have to say, and I agree with this, Iowa State only running three guys most of the time was so dang disruptive with Will McDonald Mm -hmm. and Uakar Zuriye. I can't say his name. I totally botched that. (laughs) Um, But like those two guys, especially given their scheme and the fact that they're not, you know, their pressure is is really different than everyone else's. I I think having them at fifth was way underselling. um, Well, I want to value in retrospect. I think that was that was under underestimating them for sure. Agreed. Uh, I would say Baylor at seventh was too low as well. I, I did not expect Baylor's defensive line to make the jump they did, but I think a lot of that was, and I'm going to get the, nah, I, I can like picture the the transfer that they brought in who was fantastic in the Victor title game. Uh, Siaki Ika. Th- thank you. Big man um, in the middle. Yeah. I, I think he alone, uh, we just didn't realize the impact that he was going to have for Baylor this season. And, and, he was a huge part of it. We vastly underestimated with them at seven. They, they should have been at least like top four, if not top three. Well, just, just for him. Yeah. Again, that kind of comes into like best versus um, I mean, like I, I, w- I was kind of tweeting out some of my, you know, superlatives. And I, I, I said, I would have accepted Ika for defensive player of the year, just because he was mm-hmm. kind of the linchpin. And I think you and I've talked for in the past with, and with our rankings, like, nose tackle is, is a game changer. Nose tackle is, is maybe the most important non-safety position on defense. Like, I mean, it's just, it really messes up things in the run game. And, and there's, there's pivotal moments all throughout the season where he just was disruptive and kind of changed the course of the game. Um, the other one that I would point out that I think is a, an understatement is uh, Kansas state at eighth, I think uh, was, was way, way too low on them. They lost a lot of guys. So in, in, like at the time you thought, Hey, they lose Wyatt Hubert. Like who are they going to replace him with? How is this going to work? Duke has been hurt for a little bit. Um, And, and Felix and came out, man, and was just lights out and was just uh, an Mm -hmm. absolute force to be reckoned with. Like you had to reframe your blocking scheme around him and that really freed up some of the other guys. So uh, they weren't as good top to bottom um, as Baylor, for instance, but they still did have that kind of disruptive all-star um, at, at the edge position. Yeah, absolutely agree. Uh, he was a guy that I, I – and Duke, was definitely a guy who were like, okay, can he win Big 12 Player of the Year? Like, I know it went to Petre. Um, I'm still not sure I agree with that pick. I, I understand his impact. I think that was a little bit of carryover from what he did last year into yeah. this year and a little bit of reputation. Not saying he's not really good. Don't take it that way. I just think there was some reputation carryover from last year that, that helped him win the award. Because again, I think Ika, you could make an argument he was the more important player for Baylor this season um, than Petre was. Uh, and I think, and I'm not, I'm not even going to try and say Felix's last name. Some of these last names, like, look, guys, I know I'm supposed to remember how to say them. Uh, I'm not even going to try because it's just, yeah. Uh, I think that's fair. I think that's a fair evaluation of the defensive line. Okay. Uh, any other big misses there for, for you? Can I just point out one that I feel like I would be remiss if I didn't say is that West Virginia has Stills and Akeem Mesador coming back. Um, having them at seventh was kind of this year going in is like, that's kind of fair. I, I don't know that they were, you know, a really, really great unit, 
Um, I think they're probably better than Texas, probably better than TCU. So maybe they're, you know, fourth or fifth. Um, but both of those guys coming back with experience, man, that West Virginia defensive line could be disgusting next year. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's those, those are two guys who definitely played up to their potential this year. And I think next year will be even poised to take a bigger leap. So. So preview for next rankings, expect West Virginia in the top three. Uh, okay, let's move on over to linebacker, which was one of my favorite. Uh, we had, in order, Iowa State at one, Oklahoma at two, Texas Tech at three, Oklahoma State at four, Baylor at five, uh, Texas at six, TCU at seven, Kansas State at eight, followed by West Virginia, and Kansas last. Um, where did we miss, Parker? Well, this is weird because there's so many different defensive schemes in the Big mm-hmm. 12 here. Mm-hmm. Um, I think anything on defense that is um, anything on defense that has Oklahoma in the top five is wrong, right? Like just the way they played this year, <laughs> they were awful. Yeah. Uh, um, and so we got, we not- got sold. I'm sorry. If we got sold a, a bag of beans and they weren't magic beans, they were just plain old ordinary beans as far as the Oklahoma defense coming into this season. Okay. But dude, here's the thing. I mean, like five of those guys might be on NFL rosters and play on Sundays. Like I don't, they, they were super talented going forward. There's no way to not know that. Um, and I, and I think that, you know, Brian Azamoa had a fine grade and, and did decently at a couple things, but defense is like a series of interdependent processes and, and linebackers kind of like the hub of a lot of that. And so if you have one really weak unit, linebackers are the ones that are trying to cover for it and they get stretched out a lot and they look worse. So, uh, but Oklahoma, I think that was an overshot. I think um, Texas tech, I was pretty underwhelmed despite the fact that they had, you know, three guys coming back who, who were really, really good last year. Yeah. I don't think anything about their defense was redeeming. They were in the big 12. They're, uh, I mean, they, they allowed, you know, seventh and eighth in, in EPA allowed on rushing and passing and defense, like really not, not a great unit or anything. Uh, Oklahoma state at four. I think the Texas oh, tech defense fits your, uh, a really talented unit who is uh, made to look worse by the other units around them suffering and them having to take up the slack. Cause that, and that was, the, I remember that being the conversation about Texas tech coming into the season was, real concerns about their defensive line, real concerns about, about the secondary. And we knew the linebacking core was good. Could they, would the other units step up enough to help let the linebackers play well, or were the linebackers going to have to like cover for everybody else? And I really think that's what, that's what cost Texas Tech's linebacking core. That was, I do think it is a talented unit. I think it was just a unit that was uh, looked worse because of the rest of the defense around it was uh, subpar. And that I think is if, if we're doing the podcast to look back and learn, right. I think that's one thing to look at is next, next year. I do think that one for like uh, offensive line, we should look at true pass set and play action and kind of use that to forecast. Like, I mean, we talked a little bit about like Texas tech and screens with our uh, offensive line projections, but like incorporating that same thing for defense, especially linebacker. I think we have to consider surrounding context um, a little bit more and, and not just, you know, who are, who are these guys? Cause then, I mean, TCU at, at seven, they were replacing one linebacker and then they had D Winters moving over. Uh, they, they were really bad. And, and again, it was because they were, you know, trying to cover all over the field for bad defensive line play, which they've done for a couple of years, but also bad safety play, which they haven't had to deal with. And they were stretched like D Winters looked lost because he was trying to do a thousand things every play. And so I think, I definitely think that surrounding context for linebackers is probably something to consider in, in doing the rankings again this year. So if you're going to have a bottom 10 defensive line, you're probably not going to have a top 10 uh, linebacking core. Yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, so you were going to say on Oklahoma State. 
Yeah, I mean, Oklahoma State, I think with, with Malcolm Rodriguez and the season that he had alone, they probably are first or second behind Iowa State. Like, I mean, just the way their defense performed all season, I don't know there's any, any reason to think that uh, having them top four isn't a miss, but I still think at four, they're a little too low. Um, for, for what especially they, behind for, Oklahoma and Texas Tech and the way yes. they perform versus theirs this year. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Um, so I think I think that's uh pretty impressive. Uh I mean, again, Oklahoma State was the best defense of the Big 12, one of the best defenses in the country, and Malcolm Rodriguez was a huge part of that. And and so obviously I think that their linebackers, uh, especially because some of that edge like defensive line grade, I do think comes from you know some of the linebackers being able to slot in and, and pressure from different points too. So, um, mm-hmm. but both of those units I think are, are one or one or two in the in the conference for sure. Okay. Any other thoughts on linebacker? Uh, Texas was underwhelming. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's not hard to say. <laughs> you could just say that. You could just say Texas was underwhelming and yeah, apply like, that across the board. But yeah, I, I think I they they so having them sixth has them ahead of. Um, Kansas State ahead of West Virginia. I think they're behind both of those guys. Like, I don't think they're very good. I think they're only better than TCU and Kansas, which is not saying much. Yeah, no, I think it's fair. I, I think we, I think looking back, we undervaluated West Virginia. And I think for a number of reasons of, of guys they were having to replace. And I, and I, I can't believe West Virginia with uh, Neil Brown as a defensive program, but it is now. Um, and I, I, I'm really excited to do this again for next summer. Uh, for next year because I I get the feeling West Virginia fans are going to really like where all their position groups end up getting ranked as far as defense goes. I think that West Virginia fans are sick of the expectation. I think West Virginia fans are sick of having any preseason hope with Neil Brown. Um, I don't think know. West Virginia the, the fans coming love because he's leaving. He's gone. You 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 who were a defender of Daigie last summer, um, he is no longer going to be at West Virginia. When and when, so we're going to find out for sure what the real problem is here. I'll when, also when Jared Dakey is the MVP of the Mountain West Championship game next year. You guys can come talk to me. At what? Like Utah State, Nevada? <laughs> no, Utah State took Colorado Levi, State. Uh, somewhere, yeah, Colorado State with, with Norvell or San Diego State or something. Yeah. Um, the only other one I want to <laughs> ask here is uh, on, on linebacker. Um, Baylor at five. Underrated, right? Yeah. I mean, I just think Doyle I and Baylor were your top three. Yeah, I mean I, I Doyle think, yeah. and uh, and not Schooler, um, uh, Bernard and Petrie. I mean, that's that's as good as Oklahoma State or Iowa State. I mean, those those three are just take your pick. I think of of those. And I think those three were because uh, you look at okay, okay, who's fourth? And I think it doesn't matter. Like I think. Oklahoma State, Iowa State, and Baylor were top three, and then there's and a pretty huge gap jump between and then Oklahoma. Everybody right else crammed down there toward the bottom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think we can all, you know, th- there was. Um, I think one thought I might have for next year is instead of ranking them one to ten, because sometimes that gets really hard. Is maybe we should do a tier ranking system instead, where we say these are the best ones versus these versus these, as opposed to one through ten. Because sometimes you're like, well, this one's first and this one's fourth, but the difference between first and fourth might be small versus four to five which might be a, a five spot gap um so just some um, as i as i do this and think about the next time we do this that might be a better way of evaluating these is saying okay these are the really good ones these are the not really good ones and, and here's everything in the middle that doesn't fit yeah yeah well and i think the point system is a good way to do that because you basically have you know iowa state 30 everyone agreed on that one right for mm-hmm. and then oklahoma through baylor 
Texas Tech, Oklahoma State, Baylor are all 20s. So that's like tier two. And then tier three yeah. is TCU and Texas, who are both in the teens. And then Kansas State, West Virginia, Kansas are in the four. So like, it's kind of naturally there. But yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I think it's a good way to, I think it's just another way to present it next to you. This is also why I like when I do this, I like, it's not just competing me and one other person. I like having myself, uh, someone who who pays attention to Big 12 specifically, and then having somebody who more nationally pays attention to college football, because I think it brings some various perspectives. And, and going back and looking at them, that there was some consensus across the board at all the positions, but I think there was also some pretty big variety. And I think you're right. I mean, you, I can go back to D-line and you had OU at 30, you had a couple of 25s, a couple of teams, and then a whole, like four at the bottom, which were wrong um so it, it it's just another way to kind of look at things moving forward okay let's go to cornerback it's the last one we were able to do um whew, uh tcu at 30 with 30 points we all had tcu as a consensus number one followed by iowa state kansas state baylor oklahoma texas west virginia oklahoma state texas tech and kansas let me just start off on a, I, I know I'm the Oklahoma State guy, and I sound biased. Oklahoma State at eighth was um, way too low. I, I did not expect the leap from uh, – oh, my gosh. No, I can't even think of my own players' names. Um, Holmes that we saw this year. He made a – he was good his junior year, but this past season I think he was he was vastly – again, second straight year Oklahoma State has a, does not get a first-team corner on the All-Big 12 rankings that probably should have because the stats didn't show up for him because people just went, we don't want to throw his direction. Yeah. I mean, that, and, 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 and selection, I think is, is, uh, is something interesting. And I'm, I'm pointing, I'm actually pointing at TCU, uh, for the selection idea. Cause this year, um, uh, so, so last year, Tregis Javis Hamilton was targeted 49 times and they got him 32.7% uh, reception this year, 47 times and 51.1% reception. Um, especially like if you watch TCU early on, TCU had such a vacuum at the other position and a safety who didn't really understand the fine workings of what he was supposed to be doing. They basically just threw THT on an island and said, good luck. You get no over the top help, which like he, sh he made some of those plays and sometimes he got beat, but generally you're not going one-on-one -on -one 30 yards down the field, 12 to 15 times a game or whatever it was, you know, like you're not having to cover that. And so he just got asked to do a lot more. That's kind of best case scenario for TCU, honestly, because he did poorly enough to stay for another year, um, even though he's excellent. And so that's, that's great. Yeah. Um, I do think that was a miss just because Noah Daniels had some, um, uh, mental and physical issues this year. And then they kept playing CJ Caesar, which is just inexcusable coupled with the fact that neither safety was able to do anything. And so then you see, again, defense is a series of, of interdependent processes and, and TCU, you get a chink in, in one of those processes and then the whole thing unravels. Um, and so uh, I, I think Tomlinson still one of the better quarterbacks in the nation will absolutely get drafted when he chooses to go. Um, had a really bad year just because, again, if, you're, if your scheme's falling apart and you're spread thin, you're going to look worse. So um, I think they were absolutely underrated. Um, I think Baylor at four was probably the only thing about them. Like you could say that's clearly overrated this year. Um, yeah. Their cornerbacks were, were not good. Uh, I mean, even the TCU game showed that when, when they got isolated and stressed, that secondary was was kind of rough. No, I agree. I mean, that was we we talked a lot about that this season. Of the biggest weakness on Baylor, the only weakness on their real defense was if you could attack their secondary, you could beat them. Um, the teams that did that successfully had success against Baylor. Uh, it's just the rest of the defense picked up so much of the of the weight 
off of the secondary that it was it was able to kind of look better. But if, if they couldn't, it didn't do well. Again, OSU yep. too low, TCU too high, Baylor way too high. Uh, any other big misses here? Uh, Oklahoma at fifth. Oklahoma is like 127th in pass defense. Got to put them absolutely at the bottom, like worse than Kansas. Just an, a, an absurd showing from talented athletes. Um, I know they had injuries, but like also you're Oklahoma, you're great at recruiting. You have an entire roster full of four and five stars. If guys get hurt, you should have guys that can plug in and be competent. Um, and, and for them to be this abysmal, I think is just, uh, they, they were real, real bad. As, as our good friend Keegan mentioned on Twitter with the announcement that uh, Oklahoma is basically hiring Alabama's cornerback coach, that OU will now actually have a real cornerback coach for the first time in some time. Uh, we should see if that is reflective on the field this coming season because as, according to that, it was pretty reflective on the field this past season. Uh, I, I do have a question for you, and, and I went back and forth on this because I wanted to do position by position by position. Do you think it's better to evaluate the corners and safeties individually, or do you think it's more important to to evaluate them as a as a DB unit because of the impact they have on each other? Well, it's, it's getting increasingly weird in the um, kind of uh, flyover defensive world and how the Big 12 is kind of graduating from uh, a certain style of play to a different style of play. And mm-hmm. with more and more of these three down fronts, more and more of these kind of positionless players, like Jalen Petrie is listed as a cornerback. He's also a linebacker. He's also an edge rusher. Like, I mean, where do you put him? Right. How do you, how do you, how do you account for him? What do you say he is? I, I do think that it's probably prudent to talk about each of these units in terms of how they fit into the rush game, how they fit into the pass game and kind of how those depend on each other. Um, and so for instance, like Texas tech, I think it's, you know, you have to wait run defense for the linebackers more. Cause you know, that their defenders aren't going to stop more, but like TCU and Iowa state, for instance, um, you're looking at your safeties in the run game, fitting run, fitting, fit, you know, doing run fits and, and, and kind of having more involved roles in stopping the run than in the secondary. And so that I think is a really scheme dependent question and is kind of hard. Um, but you do see, especially with these college athletes, um, safety and the fact that there's more safeties these guys are relying on each other they're communicating with each other and the cornerbacks are more and more part of that there's some fluidity there so i i do think that defensive backs kind of have to be a unit into themselves i just think you have to broaden your definition of what a linebacker is or what a safety is to kind of uh you know a safety is not a guy who stands 20 yards from the field and reacts to the play anymore a safety is like a very involved dynamic kind of moving around involved in multifacets. Uh, of the game guy and the way that your linebackers and, and safeties kind of, uh, you know, body type speed preferences and all of that, how those go together determines a lot of who's who. So um, to answer your question succinctly, I don't know, Philip, it's kind of confusing. I, I know where <laughs> no, the nose I, tackle yeah. is, but now yeah. even the edge rushers, some of those are linebackers. Some of those are stars. Some of those are jacks. I don't know. We're calling them all sorts of things. So um, let the reader, let the reader uh, work that out as an exercise, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely um so let's wrap up on this like i said we started this whole process you me and keegan ranked the position groups themselves as to what was most important quarterback at one obviously d-line o-line corner linebacker wide receiver safety tight end and running back after this season as we see the the big 12 especially on defense continue to change do you think that that ranking holds true or do we need to make some adjustments there um how many so I'll start and say how many big 12 teams were a consistent quarterback play away from being elite? I'm going to say 10, right? 
Um, it, yeah. It's hard. It's hard. So you could look at these rankings and be like, well, nobody had an elite quarterback. So maybe quarterback's not that important. Nobody, nobody was even close to competing for a national championship in the big 12 this year. Um, and, uh, but if you put, if you put a elite quarterback at Baylor or Oklahoma state this year, can you imagine a quarterback? You, you probably like, have an undefeated playoff team. Can you imagine like, if, if Spencer Sanders in the Fiesta Bowl was alive during the regular season? Can you imagine <laughs> if big bowl if, game Spencer Sanders during the regular season? Yeah. I mean, can you imagine if anyone, like any of the other nine Big 12 quarterbacks, maybe not Jason Bean, but like it's hard to imagine that a lot of other quarterbacks couldn't do a, a lot better than, than what Bohannon was doing. And some of that is he's young. Some of that is they didn't ask him to do a lot because they didn't feel like they had to. But like he wasn't good this year. I mean, he was good. He wasn't great this year by any stretch of imagination. And so I think that quarterback's still the most important because that's, that's the difference between being an elite team and just being good enough to win. Right. And I think that mm-hmm. I don't, I don't mean that as an insult to Oklahoma state or Baylor, but like both of them were just no. good enough to win this year. And, and everyone else was down. Like that's what happened. There wasn't an elite team in the big 12. Um, and so I think that's up there. I will say that I'm, I, I would like to flip offensive and defensive line. I think that Keegan and I agreed that the pass rush was there. I, I think that so many guys got hampered by um, pressure and poor offensive line and, and, you know, having to readjust things and, and move around. I think that I would switch offensive line and defensive line. Um, but you know, that, that four is basically quarterback is, um, your, your ceiling offensive line is how consistently you can play defensive line is stopping the rush. Cornerback is stopping the pass. Those are the foremost, you know, those, those are it. That's, that's the, that's the game there. So I, I still think those are, um, there, I think, you know, look at Eric Izukama, look at, um, Quentin Johnston, look at uh, Winston Wright for West Virginia, really, really talented wide receivers. Not that it, it doesn't matter if everything else is in an order, right? Like you've got to have everything yeah. else going on for that to be important. So, yeah. You, you can beat your man all day. If your quarterback can't get you the ball, um, it doesn't matter. Yep. Yeah. No, I, I, it's nice to have those things, but they're not the most important. No, I, I think the top four are right. Um, I think we had some variation. I had O-line second uh, and D-line third. Um but I do think I just offensive lines like, do you have a quarterback? Great. Can you protect him? Um, I always go back to the, can you protect your, do you have a quarterback? Can you protect him? And can you get to the other one? If you have those three things, you yeah. should have a successful, you should have a successful football team. I think It'll be interesting to see how that changes as the big 12 becomes a little more run centric. You know, it's like the counter punch to the passing explosion. Um, this would be a fun exercise. I'm not prepared to do this right now, but um, <laughs> it's like ranking this for each team and being like, for their success, what was mm. the most important factors? I think that would be an enlightening, um, you can have that one for free. That's great. Yeah. Just an enlightening exercise for kind of understanding teams and how they succeeded is like, what were the most important things to their success this year? You know what? Uh, Parker has just pitched himself uh, as a return guest for another segment <laughs> that he just created here on the show, because I really do like, I do think it's interesting because again, it's hard to just sit here and say, this is the most important thing. And this is how we're going to rank these because there's so much context that comes into the difference between how each team plays. Like the thing about TCU, like how different is TCU going to be next year? How do we evaluate what TCU wants to do and what is successful for TCU versus what is successful for Iowa state? That's two very different philosophies on the offensive side of the ball and probably to some extent on the defensive side of the ball. So like it's, it's going to be interesting to say, okay, what position groups do you need to be most successful for this team to have the most success this upcoming season? And I think that would be an interesting conversation to have aside from just like, obviously quarterback, offensive line, defensive line corner. But like if you're TCU, 
what do you need to have success? What position groups have to be at their at their best for you to have success this season? Now Iowa State, now Oklahoma. I think that'd be an interesting way, a unique way, because we don't usually do like team previews because everyone does team previews, and I don't want it to be another echo into the void of like, hey, we're going to talk about Oklahoma State for an hour and a half today. Like, there's OSU podcasts that do a better job, but from that perspective, it is very, an interesting way to, to come at it of of what's most important for this team uh, as opposed to. So uh, I'm going to steal yeah. that. Thank you. And I'm going to make sure that you come on for at least part of it because, you know, it was your idea. I don't give you full credit. Yeah, no, uh, I, w- Parker, I would love to. And that means I don't have to do all of the work for it. So that's an ideal situation. The, the idea gets done. I get the information. And I don't have to do it all. That's that's perfect for me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll bring on one more person so I can do less work. Um, okay. <laughs> Three is better than two and it's better than one. So uh, Parker, as always, appreciate your time, man. Always a pleasure to have you on the show. I thought this was an interesting uh, discussion about the season. It's always, you know, we can be talking about this past season all the way up until uh spring ball really gets going uh if you guys don't are on twitter and don't follow parker i know if you're an iowa state fan you probably don't want to because you've decided parker hates your team but that's fine uh the bigger you get in sports the more people think that you hate their team i'm sure there's tcu fans that think you hate tcu because that's just how it works heavy heavy nodding for parker here uh but do follow him at stats o war um I think if you want to know what EPA is, uh, Parker is becoming the king of EPA when it comes to uh, college football. Uh, CFB-graphs.com. It's one of my favorite things. And we're going to lean into uh, the religion of EPA and, and Parker's other stuff more of the upcoming season. Parker, appreciate your time. Anything else you need to plug? Uh, catch me on the BetUS College Football Show. Wednesday, we're doing the uh, breakdown of the um, National Championship game. And Monday, I think we'll be talking prop bets and stuff, but that's, uh, that's, that's me all prettied up and, and on the camera and everything. So, um, you can find that link, uh, uh, if you just search bet us college football show, um, or at, at my Twitter. So, um, other than that, yeah, no, I've got some cool off season things in the, uh, in, in the, in the, well, in my brain that I'm hoping to, to manifest, but, uh, generally, yeah, just find me on Twitter and that's kind of the hub for everything. Podcast Network.